Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the Kingdom of God. This is episode 68 of the Jesus Society Podcast, and we're going to continue our uh, Men of God series here today. Um, And and we're doing this because I'm working through some of this stuff for me, right? So um, this is this is my journey uh, into some of this, um, and it's also stuff that I see in most of the men I know. So um, I, today I want to I want to talk about what boys need from their fathers, um, because what um, what happens so often is we. We grow up without good fathers, and it impacts us the rest of our lives because we don't, uh, and that sounds harsh, we grow up without good fathers. There's a lot of good fathers out there, but our fathers are, most of them are, they're broken too, and a lot of them, you know, had less than desirable relationships with their fathers. We we came through a period of time, uh, I think, on the heels of the Industrial Revolution, when, um, you know, fathers left, uh, prior to the Industrial Revolution, everybody left, lived on, uh, not everybody, but lots of people lived on family farms. And, and so you had, you had families that lived together and worked together, and they were just around each other all the time. Um, the Industrial Revolution saw a lot, of, a lot of men taken away from the family farm and moved into, the, into a, a factory, and they just weren't there every day. And on the heels of that, I think a lot of men started to see their job with respect to their families um, as my, my primary job is provider. You know, as long as I, as long as I make, make sure that there's a roof over my family's head and there's food on the table, I've done my job. That's all, that's all my family really needs from me. And... Um, so they, those guys, and you know, the, the depression was right early in the 20th century, and that exacerbated some of that stuff. I think this is this is what I, from the, some of the reading I've done, I, I know some things, there's some of this that I think is pretty true. Um, and fathers cease to be there for their kids in the way that they might have been otherwise. So... Um, so I want to, I want to talk today about what, what boys really need from their fathers and what happens to the heart of a boy when he doesn't get it and he moves into manhood without that and, and how God will step in and heal and restore the heart of that, of that boy or, or man, as it were, if we will just let him. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't disclose that some of this is coming from um, the, the book I've mentioned on the last couple episodes, John Eldridge's book, Fathered by God, um, which I've been reading. Uh, I'll have a link again in the show notes um, today for that. But so many of us need to experience God as a loving father, to know that we're valued and loved and treasured, and to rediscover, maybe for the first time in our lives, that we're really not alone. And that's what we're going to be talking about today.
Now, the boys, um, there's about four things that boys really, really need from their father. A lot of this comes in the, you know, in the first 10 or 12 or 13 years of their life. Um, some of it comes, continues to come in, in adolescence, but, but there's about four things that boys really, really need from their dads. And if they don't get it from their dads, they're, they're not going to get it probably. Um, and some of these are real simple, right? And you're going to hear this and you're going to say, you're going to think, duh, well, yeah. The first thing that boys really, really need from their father is simply to be loved by their father. Uh, and they need to know, you know, it's not enough for a dad to say, well, of course I love my kids. The kid needs to know it. The kid needs to experience it. He needs to feel it, right? They need that. They need their father's love. Now, the, the importance of that is, you know, if, if, a, if a boy grows up, this is true for girls too, but if a child grows up with, with a, a strong sense of, of being loved by their father, it gives them some security, right? We, we take great security in knowing that we're loved. It, it, is, it is an undervalued resource when it comes to security, right? To know that we're loved. Um, it gives us a sense of security. It gives us a sense of value. It gives us a sense of importance and, and thus dignity, it's it's important that we that we enter adulthood with a with a sense of dignity about who we are that we're that we're valuable, you know, not in a not in an egotistic uh, you know I'm all that in a bag of chips kind of way. Um, that's narcissism. We're not talking about that. We're talking about I am as important as as anybody else. Um, I'm I'm valuable. I'm I am loved, right. There's a, there's a security that, that comes from knowing that you're loved, that you take on into adulthood, and it, 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 it's the background music for the whole rest of the way you live your life, right? So it's important, and, the, and, and you get that from your father, particularly if you're a boy. You get that from your mother, too, but you really need it from your father in addition to your mother. Um, so dad's it's not enough to just be a provider. You need to be a father, okay? So so we need, but boys need that. They need to be loved. The second thing is they need, and this is similar, but it's it's deeper than this. They need to be, need to be prized by their father, okay? Not just loved, but prized. Um, John Eldridge says it this way. This is more than just being loved in a generic sort of way. The boy yearns to know that he is adored uniquely, that he holds a special place in his father's heart, a place no one and nothing else can rival. Um, the, the son of my right hand, as Benjamin was called in Genesis 35, or the, or the son of my delight, as Joseph knew when his father gave him that that, um, that, that robe, that, that coat of many colors, right? Um, or my beloved son in whom I am so pleased, as the father said of Jesus in Matthew 3. Boys need to know that. They need to know that they're, that they're treasured, that they're prized, right? And this is communicated in all sorts of ways. 
Um, it, it's communi- communicated when we give gifts to our, to our son, right? And I don't just mean you're buying off your, your kid, or, or I'm not talking about an endless stream of presents. Um, special gifts, right? A gift that says, you're going to love this, right? And, and that includes, it includes the gift of time, which says to the boy, I really want to be with you, okay? And again, the way that this prepares men, it, it, it communicates to them that they have value, right? That, that, they, that they have something to offer someone else in the world, right? Um, and they need to see that from their dad, okay? Um, the third thing that boys need, they need to know that they're safe, and that they're secure. Um, And and there's a, this isn't just physical safety. It's not just about keeping the house secure so that nobody breaks in, right? I mean, that's that's a part of it too. Men need to protect their families, right? You need to be a protector. Um, I I believe that. Um, Kids need to know that they're safe, that when I'm with my dad, nothing's gonna happen to me. I'm as, I'm as safe as if I was in the Lord's pocket, right? It is, it is up to us as men to give our, 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 our children a sense of security, a sense of, you're going to be okay because I'm here. You know, you got, I'm, I'm holding your hand. And so everything's going to be all right. And even if, even if you trip and stumble, um, you're going to be okay. I'm here. I'm going to take care of you. Right? It's not. It's not about just preventing anything from bad, because we get that idea sometimes. Right? The, the helicopter parent b- business, where I'm going to just shelter my kid and and just um, um, overprotect them so that they walk around in a bubble every day and nothing bad can ever happen to them. That's not real life, and that's not what we're talking about here. It's 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 communicating to the kid through through words and actions and presence that you're safe. Even if you, even if you fall and break your arm, even if you, you fall out of a tree, or even if you, you know, wreck your bike. Uh, Nathan, my son, when he was young, he was roaring down the sidewalk in his bike and he lost control and rammed headlong into a brick wall, into a, a corner of a brick pillar outside the house. I wasn't there at the time. He came home. He came in the house, and his his mama said that blood, you know, head wounds bleed a lot, and it blood was just pouring out of his head. She took one look at him and thought, "Oh my gosh, he's he's killed himself." Anyway, stuff like that happens, right? And your job is not to just insulate your child from every bit of discomfort. That's not realistic. But help them help them learn to face that. Help them to know that you're gonna be okay. I'm I'm here. I've got you. You you fall. We're gonna we're gonna pick you up. We're gonna dust you off. We're gonna heal this. It's gonna we're gonna move on, right? Um, you're gonna protect your kids. You're gonna make them feel safe. Make them feel secure. Um, the other thing, number four, that boys needs from from their dads, and this is huge, particularly when they get to be teenagers. The big question, so in, in childhood, the big questions of a, of a, of a boy, which they, they don't even know to articulate, is, am I loved? Am I, am I adored? Am I special? Am I prized? Right? 
the big question of a teenage boy is, am I good enough? Am I enough? Am I sufficient? Am I up to the task? Can I be trusted? Right? Um, when when uh, Nathan, my son, was uh, in a as a when as a teenager, there was a stage he went through when all he wanted to know, everything was a line in the sand for him, and he wanted to know whether I trusted him. You know, he wanted to he wanted to do something big and important. You know, not save the world or anything, but you know, little things that he felt like this is important. I can handle this, and he wanted to know that I believed it, that he could handle it too. You know, and for him, that was expressed in, don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? He asked me that all the time. And sometimes it was a case, it's not about trust. It's, you know, there's other things. And I don't know that I handled that all the, the, the best way that I should have, uh, looking back on it now. Um, I, I probably should have let him fall flat in his face a few more times. But um, boys want to know, that, like, am I... Am I sufficient? Am I up to the task? Um, can I? And, and, and it comes out in, in doing things um, um, to handle something or, or do something or be responsible for something, like um, to handle a power tool, you know, by himself, to, to, to have some kind of responsibility that's, that he perceives as important uh, to eventually to, to drive a car. Maybe at first it's driving the lawnmower, you know. Um, can I handle a chainsaw? Can I, can I, am I, am I up to the task? Can I, can I do this? Can I handle that? Fathers, it's your, it's your job to give yourself a sense of, uh, to give your son a sense of confidence because that's what this is about. It, it, it prepares young men to, to be able to face life a little bit confidently and not, not be afraid of everything, right? I think sometimes we have young men now that are, they're just afraid of everything. They're afraid to do this. They're afraid to try that. They're afraid to, you know, everything because they've never been allowed to. They've been insulated. So your job as a dad is helping your kids learn to be resilient, to learn to be confident, um, and, and the reason confidence is important is because if you don't know, life is tough and life is full of challenges. And, and your, your job is to raise sons, particularly daughters too. Daughters need confidence too. Um, to, to raise them so that, to, to believe that they can face life. They can face the things that life throws at them. Right and and handle them that they can stand up to it to adversity that they can do a task that they can do a job, right? So all of these things together combine to prepare young men who are secure, strong, confident, and capable. Not not arrogant, not prideful, not boastful, right? But but strong. And, and, and this is not antithetical to kindness and, and mercy and good-naturedness, right? We, we, we live in a world where uh, masculinity is, you know, we talk about toxic masculinity now. Like, like, like being a man is wrong. Like being confident and strong is wrong. It's not. Men are supposed to be that way. 
And our job as fathers is to, is to help prepare men that, that, can, that can face adulthood confident that they can face up to the challenges of life, that they can stand up to an adverse, adversity, right? Um, men who don't have to take things from other people to make themselves feel good, right? They don't have to abuse others. They don't have to wonder about who they are because they're, they're confident, they're secure. They know they're okay in who they are. They know they're capable. They know they can take care of things, right? That, that stuff is important. Now, what happens when boys reach adulthood and they don't have that? What happens is you is you we've got men. Who, it, it, this produces men who feel abandoned, alone, uncertain, and afraid. And that is not what men are supposed to be. That's not what men are supposed to be. It produces what Eldridge calls unfinished men. Uh, boys walking around in men's bodies with men's responsibilities. Men who are insecure, fearful, uncertain. And those kind of men end up being men who are checked out a lot of times. They, <clears throat> they engage in the things that they can handle and avoid everything else. And a lot, the, the way this works out a lot is they pour themselves into work and into tasks and into recreation and the hard, messy work of relationships and family, they, they check out of because they don't know how to handle that kind of stuff. That happens a lot. It's not true for every man, but it is for a lot of them. When, when boys become men who don't have those things that we talked about, a lie settles into their hearts. And the lie is this. You are on your own. You see, no one cares because you're not worth caring about. You are a boy without a father in a dangerous world and you are utterly alone. There was a time in my own life when I really felt like God didn't care about me being fulfilled or satisfied or well provided for. We, we have this idea sometimes that the only thing God is interested in is that you behave, that you be good, that you follow the rules, that you hold up your end of the bargain. And beyond that, God doesn't really care about your well-being or anything like that. Eldridge says, a boy's heart is wounded in so many ways. He's wounded when he doesn't live in a world made safe by his father when he's not free to explore and dare and simply be a boy, when he's forced to grow up too soon. He's wounded when he does have that world, but it ends with a sudden loss of innocence. And most especially, a boy is wounded to the core when he does not know that he is the beloved son. Sometimes the wounding is intentional. Oftentimes it's not. But this is the story of many a boy and many a man living in the world we have so far from the garden. The sad reality is that a lot of us are there. And if that's all there were to the story, it would be a sad story indeed. 
But the beautiful, freeing, hopeful, joyous truth is that God will not let it end there, not in any man's life, because he is the rescuing father. That rescuing starts with us coming to see God as he really is, coming to believe what's true about God, to, to believe that he is who he says he is and not who we've made him into be, right? Um, remember what Jesus taught um, about the father's heart in the parable of the, of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son, we call it sometimes. Uh, now, incidentally, I'm told, um, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I like I like the story. I like what it says. So I, I you know I'm going to just go with it. I don't know if this is true, but I'm told that Christian Native Americans, or at least some Christian Native Americans, um, tend to refer to the parable of the prodigal son not as the you know we, when we call it the parable of the prodigal son, we're, we're focusing on the son. What I'm told is that some Christian Native Americans refer to that story not through the, uh, the the lens of the son, but through the lens of the father. And they call the, the parable Father Greatheart. I don't know if that's true, but I like it. I like it. So in the story, in the parable, if you, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with the parable, it's in Luke chapter 15. You can go read it. Um, there's a father and he's got two sons. And the, 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 the one son, the younger son, I think, I think he's the younger son, um, he reaches um, kind of that age in life where he's, he decides he wants to go do things his own way and he's tired of living under his father's uh, rule. And so he asks his father for his inheritance early. The father gives him the inheritance and he, he takes off. He goes off into a far country and he's, and he's living large, right? He's, he's spending all his money on, you know, all the good things in life, wine, women, and song. And pretty soon he's burned through all the money and he's, now he's broke and he's far from home. And he hires himself out to, a, and, and he's living, you know, he's not living in, in Israel at the time. He's living in a far country in some place that's not Israel. And just to make ends meet, he ends up hiring himself out to a guy and his job now is to feed pigs. Now, pigs, if you're a Jew, pigs are unclean animals. So there is no more... Um, degrading thing that a that a, a good Jew could do than to be feeding pigs. And 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 the and the, the, the story says that he's feeding these pigs and he's longing to eat himself what he's feeding the pigs. That tells you how poor he is, how just utterly um, debased and disgraced he is. And he finally in his in his loss and in his despair, he finally decides, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my father and, and I know I've disgraced him, but maybe if I go back, maybe maybe I can talk him into just letting me be a slave, right? I've I've given up the right to, to be a son. If I can just be a slave, I'll eat better than this, and I and I don't have to be as disgraced as I am now. And so he swallows his pride and he marches off toward home. He is he is lost. He is impoverished, he is disgraced, and he is utterly alone. Jesus tells us that while the son is still a long way off, his father's watching for him, 
and he sees him coming a long way off. And the father is filled with compassion and he runs and he throws him his arms around his son's neck and he kisses him. Folks, that is who God is. That's who he is. If you've got a picture of God because of the way you were raised, because of what you were taught in, in, in church, you know, if you've got a picture of God that's anything other than that, you have got a wrong picture of God. That is who God is. That's who Jesus says God is. And he will come as a loving father filled with compassion to take us close to his heart. And he will also take us back to heal those wounds, to finish things in our lives that didn't get finished when we were boys. God will come for the boy, no matter how old that boy might be, and make him his beloved son. And he will do that for you, and he is doing that for me. So just so we get this picture clear, let me tell you some things the Bible says about God as a father, right? 2 Corinthians 6.18, Paul uh, strings together a, a mosaic of Old Testament quotations here. He, he, he pulls something from 2 Samuel 7, pulls something from Isaiah 43, and he kind of just strings them together into this statement um, uh, of God. God. God is saying this, okay, according to Paul. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 9, and 10, he asks a question. He says, which of you, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? And the answer, of course, is no decent father would do such a thing. Like, can you imagine? Your son comes to you and says, hey, I'm hungry. Can I have some bread? Yeah, here's a stone. Isn't that ridiculous? No, no, no father would do that. Well, Jesus goes on to say, so if you, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good gifts give good gifts to those who ask him? Do you believe that? Is your picture of God one in which God gives good gifts to his kids and delights in doing so? If that's not your picture of God, you need to change your picture of God. In Matthew 6, 26 and, and, and 26 and 20, 28, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. Consider the, the lilies of the field. Are you not much? And, and in other words, look how God provides for them, the birds. Look how he clothes the lilies of the field. Don't you think you're worth much more? Aren't you much more valuable to your father than those? If he takes care of the birds, won't he take care of you? If he clothes the lilies of the field in such glorious, beautiful splendor, won't don't you think he'll do that for you? You're more than you're worth more than a lily. In Matthew 18, verse 12, he says, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, won't he leave the 99 in the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? Well, wouldn't he? Of course he would. 
And Jesus says, if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will be happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that didn't wander off. And then he says this, he says, in the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Jesus is painting a picture here of a loving, rescuing father. That's the picture of God you need to have in your head. Jesus could not be any clearer. And, and, and even if you're, if you're listening to this and you're sitting there and you're struggling to accept this for you, if you're hearing this and you're, and you're, and you're just struggling to think, I, gosh, I wish, I'd like to believe that's true, but yeah, I just don't know. You really do have a good father who loves you and who wants good things for you. And don't, don't be too quick when I say that to try to redefine good things as only spiritual things, as though, as though the only thing God's really concerned with is your ability to live up to his plan. You know, like, well, if I ask God to, you know, help me be a more spiritual person, he'll answer that prayer because that's what he wants. But if I ask him to, you know, do something else, give me a better job, you know, that's not a spiritual thing. That's, he's not interested in that. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't you dare do that. Don't try to redefine good things as only spiritual things. The Old Testament says it this way. This is Jeremiah 31, verse 20. And I'm quoting this out of the message because I like the way it says this. Um, so Ephraim, it's, it's, he's going to mention Ephraim here. Ephraim is a is code name for Israel. Like it's, a, it's another name for Israel, okay? So Jeremiah 31, 20. God says, Oh, Ephraim is my dear, dear son, my child in whom I take pleasure. Every time I mention his name, my heart bursts with longing for him. Everything in me cries out for him. Softly and tenderly I wait for him. That's God talking about his children. So do this. Put your, take out the name Ephraim and put your own name in that in that sentence and read it and imagine God saying that about you. Oh, Bob, John, Quincy, Kevin, Nate, whatever your name is, Ron, you are my dear, dear son, my child in whom I take pleasure. Guys, God's heart is bursting and longing for you. He's proud of you, not because you've always done everything perfectly, but he is, he is, his heart is bursting with pride for you. That's the message of Jesus. There is a good and loving Father who cares so deeply and passionately for you. He yearns to be your Father now, and He will draw near to you if you let Him, if you open yourself up to Him. No matter how old we are, our true Father wants us to experience being His beloved sons and all the joys of, of boyhood that go with it. But here's the thing. It requires us to open our hearts. And if we do that, it's going to take us back into some of our deepest wounds and the, and the, and the cynicism and resignation that shut our hearts down a long time ago. That's where God wants to do some work.
And he does this so that he might bring his love and healing to the fatherless boy within us. The boy that still needs to know that you are the beloved son. So, so do this. Um, talk to God about all this. And maybe, maybe pray a prayer, something like this. Father, what did I, what did I miss growing up? Sh show me what I missed. I'm struggling here to see myself as beloved. So, so even after all these years, come to me, Father, in this, in this place where I am today. Speak to me. Show me who you really are. And help me to believe down deep that you really do want good things for me. That you really do adore me. Not that, not that I'm perfect. I know I'm not perfect. But help me to see your love for me in spite of my imperfections. Show me, show me the ways in which my young heart was wounded when I was a boy or a teenager. And then heal my wounded heart and lead me to the place that I can rest secure in your love. And Jesus, you who came to heal the broken heart, come, come to me in this place. Heal this stage in, in my life and restore me as the beloved son. Be my father and father me here where I am right now. Talk to God and pray something like that. Make, don't, you know, make it your own. Make it your own words. And look for the ways in which God will show up in your life and begin to refather you because, folks, it is high time. It's high time that you experienced the love of your true, true Father. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. As always, we'd appreciate it if you'd tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please uh, subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, just about any place in the world you go um, for podcasts, you'll find us there. Um, please visit us on our Facebook page for the Jesus Society Podcast. Um, we, are, we are working on a new and improved website um, thejesussociety.com. It's 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 up. It's not finished yet, um, uh, but visit us there. Um, we're co currently loading loading all of our episodes on the uh, of the Jesus Society podcast on YouTube and and Odyssey. If you'd like to support us uh, in our related ministry, which is not just the podcast, I've got a ministry here. Um, it's a it's a part time thing. I'm not doing this full time, um, but I've got a Patreon page, and and I actually think at some point um, I might shift that over just to the website. Um, but if you want to donate um, and support us, you can do it on our Patreon page. You can do it through our website. You, if you if you want to do something else, um, you can find a way to get in touch with me, and and um, we'll talk. But thanks for being part of this. Thanks for, for being part of what we're doing here on the Jesus Society podcast. Thanks for listening. And remember, you are greatly loved.